DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast. Our mission is to inspire greatness in people who are chasing their dreams. You'll have access to entrepreneurs and business leaders who will give you the fuel to chase the dreams that you have. Our guests want to give back to the next generation of leaders by sharing the details of their journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Please welcome the host of Hustle Unlimited, Donald Thompson, and this week's guest, Sharon Delaney McLeod, renowned speaker, coach, and professional development expert. Hey guys, welcome to the uh, next episode of Hustle Unlimited. This is Donald Thompson. I'm here with Sharon McLeod, and I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you, Donald. Today, we are really going to just relax and have fun, but uh, Sharon is one of the most phenomenal business executives that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. And so I want you to get to know her, not just what she does during the day, but the organization she's a part of, and really, most importantly, some of the backstory. Some of the things that have allowed you to evolve and in terms of what you do and deliver. Tell the folks a little bit about you, just a little background, and then we'll talk some. Sure. From the personal side, I am a very proud immigrant, per se. I, my par- Even though I don't have much of an accent that you would say so, my parents are Irish immigrants who came to this country in the late 50s. My father was pursuing his dream in aeronautics. He wanted to be a pilot but didn't have the eyesight to do it, so he okay. figured out a way to still get involved. Then Pan Am, which is where eventually he landed, sent him to Kenya, awesome. where I was born. So I was born in Nairobi, lived there until I was five, was fluent in Swahili, and was the translator at my house. I spoke better Swahili than I spoke English, and I also spoke better Swahili than anyone in the home. So I was that person. Then we moved to Tanzania for about three years and then came to the States. So I've traveled a lot in my life, been so fortunate to be able to do that. And then within the U.S., uh, after I graduated from high school and went to college, I studied journalism and in television, 
you got to pay your dues in the small markets. Yep. So I worked in six different markets before coming to Raleigh 20 years ago. That is awesome. How did you, so dive in, I'll dive into the business piece for a minute. How did you determine broadcasting was going to be your thing? A communication professional, how did you get in that, that lane? It is an interesting story because I think it is kismet or fate. Okay. I actually wanted to be on Broadway. Okay. I'm a song and dance girl. By That's what I did. I went to a performing arts high school. I was on track for New York. That's all. And my senior year of high school, I broke my femur bone inside my knee joint. Gotcha. <laughs> so I remember the doctor saying... You might want to think about doing something other than dancing and singing and whatever. But I, I, I forged ahead and I'll be fine. And I, four surgeries later and all this kind of stuff, went on to, to college and majored in musical theater gotcha. and fell in love. Gotcha. And I realized that that boy was not going to go to New York with me. And I uh, decided, well, if I changed my major to communications, I could take a job wherever. Gotcha. And I had always remembered back as a child, every morning my father and I would watch the Today Show having breakfast. And my dad used to say, looking at Jane Pauley, that's going to be you someday. That's awesome. And that always stuck in the back of my mind. And I always remember in school, the teachers always saying, Sharon has such lovely diction. And they always would pick me out to do the school announcements or this and that. Sure. Just sort of it all kind of fell in place. And I started to connect the dots. I was like, you know what? If I can't dance full-time and I'm going to do the singing-dancing thing, and then when I fell in love, why not use my strengths? Gotcha. Which was talking and no, communicating. That and that was, it was a natural thing. I'm comfortable with it. I'm Irish. It's in my blood to be a storyteller. <laughs> that's what Irish people do is they talk and tell stories, and that's the culture in which I grew up at my home. And so I decided, you know what, I'll pursue this. And so I got my first job at, at the TV station on campus as well as the radio station and loads of internships later. And that's awesome. It, it went from there. No, that's awesome. The other point I would add and extend what you said is your dad planted a seed, not just of you doing it, but doing it big, right? Somebody on the Today Show and saying yeah. that can be you. And a lot of times as leaders uh, emerging as young people, we need that encouragement of somebody kind of putting that big dream upon us. And what I would ask of, of you is, in making your way in broadcasting, what are some of the things that you did to keep going while you were paying your dues, right, as you rose in that career? It's a career that very quickly establishes itself. It draws a line. Those who really want to do it and those who just want to be on TV. Gotcha. It is not easy. You work every graveyard shift. You work every holiday, and when there is breaking news or severe weather, you're walking into it, not away from it. Gotcha. So it, it's not for lighthearted people who just want to have, you know, think they're going to be on TV and looking for some sort of glamorous thing. And so what I learned along the way is if you want to do this, and this is me, 110%, all in or walk away. And I was, I'm usually an all-in kind of person. I mean, that's uh, pretty powerful, right? Because whether it is in broadcast or communications, whether it's an entrepreneur, whether it's an athlete, that commitment to be all-in is pretty critical. Mm -hmm. Would you say you learned that business, family taught you that? Like, where did that 
kind of that internal clock of commitment come from? I became independent, I like to say, at a very young age. Okay. My father passed away when I was 14, and I witnessed my mom not being able to write a check. Gotcha. She never worked outside the home, and I saw her struggle greatly. And I remember saying to myself back then at 14, I will never put myself in that position. Gotcha. And I don't fault my mother for that at all. That was the culture she grew up. She wanted to be a mom and a housewife, and that's what she did. But taking the leap and making an extraordinary change when circumstances present themselves was just not in the cards for her. And so I saw that, and I said, I will never rely on someone else. I will always know to rely on myself, and how am I going to do that? That's awesome. That's always the way you just figure it out. And without ever wondering, oh, my gosh, that'll never happen. It will happen. I think hard work and commitment and putting the time in, day in and day out, trumps any kind of natural uh, intelligence or gifts of that nature. I think hard work wins out every time. No, that that is awesome. When you're thinking about, and I appreciate that very much, what you learned as a youngster and then learned in your career, how do you keep it all together? There's this thing people talk about, this work-life balance and different things. Mm-hmm. You're a wife, you're a mother, you're an amazing business executive, entrepreneur. Like, how did you work it all in? How do you work it all in? Not well, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe it's a, sometimes a facade, but if you if you just look around the corner, peek behind the curtain there, there's, there's a lot of, it's like the duck that's looking so cool up on top of the water, but that if you right. could take a look under the water, those legs are going mighty fast. And that's, I think that's what any working parent does these days. No such thing as work-life balance. It is work-life integration. And something is that's always powerful. winning over the other. If you're working so hard to make something work, then somebody else is getting the short end of the stick there. And vice versa. If you have to focus on family time, sometimes work needs to give a little. It's it's just trying to integrate and find the best ways Got so it. that you can achieve success in all areas, knowing that it's not going to be at the same time. It's that blend. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, I think a lot of people that I interact with, right, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the exact same time. That's exactly right. Right, and um, giving each other the freedom to understand there's going to be a little bit of ebb and flow uh, is a tremendous example. If you think about both career, personal, what are some of the things that you've done that you think could inspire others, that, that could let them know that they could do it too? What is something that you feel like you've overcome to help take that next level in your career? I think the first thing is determining what are you good at what what natural talents do you have and it doesn't mean that you don't want to go for something that you want to learn how to do but I think doing a really honest assessment and finding out first of all let's see what you're good at now how do we go for a career or a goal that uses those strengths so that let's not it's not rocket science let's not make it so difficult that's right and, and let's work on taking those strengths and putting them toward the, the strategy to make you succeed in that. So no, that's as, as a natural storyteller, 
knowing that I wrote well. I, uh, as a kid, I, I loved writing, and, and all through high school and college, writing always came very easy to me. Math, not so much. Yeah, me too. I, I can relate. Communications major. So I'm not going to fight that battle. Got it. <laughs> Choosing a career that would, that would make the other stuff that I needed to work on, I could focus on that because this part I already knew how to do. Gotcha. And, and could learn to improve all things at the same time. So I think, I think that's point one. Knowing what you're good at. Yeah, knowing what you're good at and playing to those strengths. I think then you have to find, when you have that goal and you know you're lacking in certain areas, figure out and learn how to build, go after it and take a class, find a mentor, study. I mean, there's so many resources now online, on library, at libraries, anything that you want to know with Google, you can find out. You can do it. It's the whole thing of saying yes. When I first started my company 10 years ago, if someone says, do you know how to do this? Yes. And then I'd get off the phone and I would Google, how do you do that? And you just have to have uh, that passion for going after it. And I think you can achieve so many things. People are afraid to try because they're afraid they're going to fail. That's right. I mean, haven't you seen that in your past? And that you don't want to stick your neck out. That's right. It's that fear factor, right? In order to do something excellent, at some point you have to do it for the first time. Yes. Right? And what you're talking about in terms of what you're good at, but also what are you missing? What are the gaps? And that most things that you need in life are learnable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's plenty of people out there to help you. Um, one thing that can't be supplied is your goals and aspirations. That's something you have to have on your own that internal kind of that drive that I can be special, that I am amazing and we can do it. Let me do this. Let me, you mentioned uh, starting your business 10 years ago, your own company. That had to be a big leap. So you were in the, the media space, and then at some point you transitioned to being an entrepreneur. Tell me about that. I had done TV for about 20 years and loved it. And I got to travel all over the world and did some amazing stuff and covered incredible stories and was able to tell people people's story, those who didn't have a voice. I was able to act as a voice for them in certain circumstances, and that was truly gratifying, and I loved it. However, once I decided to have a family, it became very difficult because news is on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week cycle. It never stops. Got it for anything or anyone. <laughs> Got it. And we had a, a very pivotal point in our family life. My daughter was diagnosed with cancer mm. when she was six months old. And I had to, we all had to stop everything. And I was very fortunate that I had leadership at a television station that recognized that I could not be in two places at no once. Way. And they said, look, you take care of her, and we'll take care of you. That's awesome. And they did, which is it's an un, it's unusual to hear that level of commitment and from care. A, and care from a company. But it was amazing, and they did in fact do that. Uh, they took care of us while we took care of her. Unfortunately, uh, she did not make it, and I had to come to terms with how to live a new life with this. Wow. With her missing from it. And our family had to learn how to live again. And part of that, I went back to the TV station afterward because they had been so good to us. I felt I needed to go back. 
but I was a shell. I was an empty shell. My news director recognized it, although they offered another very lucrative three-year contract, but my heart wasn't in it. Gotcha. So I found a mentor. I found someone who had had a similar path. And I said, can we have coffee? She had had a similar thing happen. They lost a child to cancer as well. And I said, what did you do? And she walked away from corporate America and started on her own. She said, you could do that too. That's awesome. She ended up, she's now our client. Kind that of funny awesome. how that yeah, works yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. But, and I said, okay. And, and she said, you know, you've taken risks your whole life. This is just one different thing. And if you don't know how to do it today, that's okay. You can learn. You'll figure it out. That's the whole thing. It's that whole growth mindset we hear a lot about now. And I love that schools are now teaching that. There's an amazing TED Talk on that. Just Google growth mindset. That's awesome. You can't be good at everything. You have to learn to be good at it. And so that was the big learnings for me, you know, being able to take a huge transition from everything I had known before to say, you know what, I can do this and I can make it work for my family right now. No, that's amazing. And from knowing you and working with you, you have such an amazing positive disposition and, and outlook, but that doesn't mean life doesn't have real challenges Sure. That, that you have to overcome. How would you encourage people to not pretend the challenges don't exist, but to keep on and carry on in spite of some difficulties? Absolutely. You know what? People would always say, I wish this didn't happen. I wish that, and they can wish their lives away. Life is going to happen, whether you like it or not. Some of those things may have happened earlier in my years. You know what? It has strengthened me, and it has just, it has given me uh, an internal uh, strength and courage, I think, knowing Mm -hmm. that I can still get up and put one foot in front of the other. And I think if people just knew that you've got it in you, you can dig deep. That's right. And not, and you can get up the next day and, and win, make it happen. And keep winning. The, uh, I, I call it turning your battle scars into badges of honor. Mm. And that's the name of the book of which I've written page one, and that's as far as I've gotten <laughs> so far. But that's it. I mean, everybody has different uh, ways or ways of co- uh, analogies or whatever, but basically it's... It's taking that battle scar, and you know what? You've got to look at it a different way, and you turn it into a badge of honor. I'm proud that I was the mom of an amazing little girl. People are afraid to ask about my daughter, and I'm like, please ask about her. I I love talking about Macy. She is a huge part of our life. I had breast cancer. Some people don't, oh, I don't want to talk about that. You know what? I made it through. That's right. I'm kicking butt and taking names. That's awesome. <laughs> and you absolutely are. I mean, and that's the thing that is so inspiring to me personally and why you're one of my heroes is because the things that you've worked through have not dampened your enthusiasm for the next big thing you're going to do. And that's awesome. And there's, you know, it's, thank you. And, and that's and awesome. It's, it's great. But you know, there still are, and, and I haven't, I feel like an artist could better visually represent this. With each of those knocks into the into your, uh, what is the the expression that, that you've got your armor and you're getting yeah, knocked yeah, yeah. at or whatever, the chink or whatever, the chink, yeah. yeah, the chink in your armor, that that whole expression, there still is very much a vulnerable inside that can easily get hurt, but knows that you can come out on the other side okay. Like it's that I think that there's sometimes I feel like I've been calloused over the years mm. sometimes because of difficulties or challenges. 
and and there can be a very calloused, uh, curt Sharon, but then there can also be almost the complete opposite. That I think people have to recognize that in business and in life, you have to have both pieces. Oh, that's right. Because the best leaders are tough and compassionate. That's... And you can't succeed, in my view, as an excellent leader without having those very opposite ends of the spectrum. That's right. And then knowing at what time to deploy each of them. Yeah. Right? And that's really important. And one of the things that you said, and you said a lot, but that courage. Mm-hmm. Right? And really, courage is something like any other muscle that you can continue to, to use and grow in and learn how to become more and more courageous just by continuing to push through, by not allowing yourself to give up, right, is really, really important. Let me switch gears just for a little bit and talk about, like, you, you speak um, for various groups. You have a great talk that I've heard, Women in the Boardroom. Uh, you're a phenomenal uh, educator and, and media communicator. What are some of the things you'd share with people on growing their personal brand, right? What advice would you give to our listeners? I think people feel shy about putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. You know what? No one's tooting your horn unless you're tooting it. I mean, you can hire somebody to do PR for you, but at the end of the day, if you can't speak up for yourself and be heard for the message you want to deliver, that's on you, my friend. I mean, everybody needs to learn how to stand up. And in this very noisy media environment. You have to be able to cut through that clutter and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Let's talk. And I think that that's, you know, with every social media post, with every LinkedIn article or every tweet that I put out, it's, I think it's just a part of, of building that, that personal brand. But what people see out there is also what I live. And that's, that's, the beginnings of putting together your personal brand. Yes, there's a business side of everyone and a personal side, but with social media and putting yourself as a personal brand, that mixes together some. That's right. And so you have to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk. What's so your whatever, authentic self? Yeah, so when you have all of these digital assets out there, when someone meets you, they have to recognize you rather than just your digital side. If they That's walk awesome. up and they're like, wow, they're nothing like they have, <laughs> like they look online or sound like online. you got to be through and through no, that's to awesome. be authentic. What, what advice, what's some of the best advice you would give if you were sitting over a cup of coffee with an emerging entrepreneur, emerging business person that's trying to grow their brand, what are some of the things that you would share with them? Get busy. Get started. All these people are like, well, I want to put the strategy together, and I'm Mm. trying to put together a plan. Just start. Just start. Do it. The whole, the talking about getting it done drives me nuts. Let's just (laughs) (laughs) get stuff done. That's exactly right. I I know I'm interrupting you, but that's just like, (laughs) we're kindred spirits, right? And that's both entrepreneur, but both our personalities in that the world is Mm results-based, right? And at a certain point, you have to deliver. And in order for you to deliver, you got to get started and and keep it going from there. If you had to think back, you do a lot of speaking engagements and different things. Tell me about one that was really memorable. 
I will say probably the most memorable one, and I wish I had someone taking photographs from the my from my standpoint. There were photographers on that side yeah, yeah. taking pictures of me, but I wish to goodness that I had thought of this. I was invited by Eaton Corporation to come and do a talk during their uh, women's initiative. They wanted to have a female business leader come in and talk about work-life integration and how to how as a female business leader to to flourish and and to to succeed and it was the turn your battle scars into badges of honor yeah, sure. and a, a, basically a playbook on working mothers and how to get stuff done Got it. and I was in the middle of chemotherapy for breast cancer gotcha and when they had engaged with me to do this talk I hadn't been diagnosed yet and so when I'd sent my bio and my photos and everything else I had hair so I decided I think I'm gonna wear my wig so I wore my wig to the talk and they never I mean they didn't know who I was really yeah. they'd seen me on tv whatever my wig looked pretty much like Sharon's hair in the talk I talk about having getting past and learning a new way to live after we lost our daughter and then I'm, you know, talking about starting the new company and all this stuff. And and then, oh, just when you think you've got it all figured out. And I lifted up and whipped and off my off wig. wig. <laughs> <laughs> I was bald as a baby. That's awesome. The audience went, oh. Oh, my God. There, you could have dropped a pin in that room and heard it. That is awesome. And they were, the look of shock on everyone's face, I said, I'm okay, don't worry. I said, as a matter of fact, my last chemo is next week. And they erupted in cheers. And I think that was probably the most memorable thing I've ever done in uh, in a speech. Because afterwards, people were like, good Lord. That is awesome. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a shocker. But, but you know, it, it, it was, uh, I, I wanted them to know that I'm totally okay. Even though I might look sick, I'm totally okay. And you know what? If I can stand up here bald and tell you all about it, anybody can do it. You can face the things that you're facing. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, it's just inspirational. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> Olympic torchbearer. I mean, come on. Like, that's like, like you're literally a superstar. So, like, tell me, tell me about this Olympic torchbearer experience and how that happened. And... I, I had a little bit of an in in 2004 the Winter Olympics was going to be held in Salt Lake City, Utah. And the way the Olympic Committee works is they, every Olympics, summer and winter, they always light the flame in Greece, and they often show that ceremony, and the ladies are wearing the long, white, uh, toga-looking things, gotcha. and they light it. It's very ceremonial. They've done it the same way for, you know, more than a century. And then it it's the flame that gets passed, not the actual torch. Gotcha. So they light, and then it lights the next one, lights the next one, and then they put it in some kind of concealed thing to be able to put it on a boat or a plane, and eventually it makes its way to the country that's hosting the Olympics. The Olympics, got it. Once it gets to that country, the Olympic Committee decides the route in which it takes, and in the U.S. they were trying to get every state in the continental United States to have it pass through its borders. Got it. NBC has owned the rights to the, to airing and broadcasting the Olympics in the United States for quite some time. I worked for NBC. Got it. So I had a little in. And my general manager came to me, and he said, look, 
we, uh, we wanted to let you know that unbeknownst to you, we nominated you to carry the torch to That's represent awesome. NBC in North Carolina. And guess what? They said yes. That's awesome. And I was blown away. I'm like, nominate me? But for like how? Or is it, do they have to say yes because I'm with NBC? And they said, no, no, no. We made a list of all the nonprofits and the volunteer things that you do, and they loved it. And so you're going to get to go carry the torch. So we drove out to Asheville because they barely came into North Carolina. Yeah, sure. And um, it's it looks like you're carrying it a lot longer than you actually are. I think I may have carried it two-tenths of a mile. We'll keep that between us, though. You carried the Olympic torch. But I, I, I lit... I got the flame and I lit the next one and I have the the torch and it's uh, yeah it's an incredible thing I'm proud of I love it it's a really neat thing to be a part of that is super that is really really great tell me some of the organizations that you work on from a nonprofit standpoint you're very active uh, in your community what are some of the things you're proud of and organizations that that really have a special place in your heart early on when I was just in my early twenties I became trained as a guardian for the Guardian Ad Litem program, which is an incredible uh, program that states run that you are the advocate for a child who is in foster care. And you're the go-between between the parents who have lost custody of this child and then the foster family. Got it. And so I was lucky enough to be able to be assigned a little boy who had some desperate medical needs and was able to facilitate a lot of the visits between the family and that sort of not sort of it did it really uh, instilled in me just how much volunteering your time can make an impact in other people's lives that led to volunteering on all sorts of committees over the years for the American Heart Association the American Cancer so- uh, Society I do a lot of work for the St. Baldrick's Foundation okay. because of my Macy, uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We've raised quite a bit of money over the years for them. And uh, now I serve on a couple different boards as well as with a committee for the hospital where I had my treatment. I'm, I'm there every month and uh, able to give great feedback so that patient experience can awesome. be maintained uh, in its fullest and most positive way. So it's, you know, it's a part of who I am, and I think that... Uh, Everyone should find a couple of things that they love and and give some time. To be able to do that. Well, that's phenomenal. If you had a magic wand and there's a lot going on in our society and our world, what would you change if you had had the magic wand? Our public discourse. Everyone has a right to their opinion. Everyone has, in the United States, the right to free speech. But the level at which public discourse has bottomed out to in our country today is disgusting it makes me sick it absolutely is abhorrent and I I'm not sure what the answer is but if I had the magic wand I wish we could fix that first and foremost Yeah, to just be able to talk to each other Yeah, right without everything being a verbal food fight yeah. Right. And uh, I think the you know, my little two cents or nickel to it is the daily conversations that we have, we have to lift up to that degree of responsibility and hopefully it spreads. But I feel the same way. It's, it's a little bit of a shame that uh, people can't talk to each other anymore. It's like uh, this digital screaming match. 
it is and that everybody has and it's not only digital it's also just the, the words words matter and the That's way right. that which people are speaking to each other now is shocking and I, I would like to change that last word so we're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of business folks uh, a lot of people with families people that are just chasing their dreams What'd be the last thing you'd share of encouragement for people that are chasing their next adventure? Do it. Like kind of the whole Nike thing. It's, you know, what are you waiting for? That's what I don't understand. If someone wants to do something, why not do it? It's never going to be the right time to start a business, go back to school, have a baby, get married. If someday is your excuse... That's not going to happen. Just do it. That is powerful. <laughs> what are you waiting for? I mean, uh, that's a perfect way to kind of end and segue. And Sharon, I appreciate you taking time with us. I mean, I think our responsibilities as leaders is just to inspire others and give people a blueprint of how they can do it too. And your story and your example uh, absolutely does that uh, every day. And so this is DT over and out. And Sharon McLeod, thank you so much thank uh, you. for spending some time with appreciate us. Appreciate it. Let's hustle. Let's hustle. <laughs> <laughs> joining us on Hustle Unlimited. Make sure to join us each week for more conversations with leaders in our community. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, make it a great week.